Hey, Merry Christmas, Valley family. Boy, this is it. Week of Christmas. You know, this is the big deal coming up uh, uh, right here. We're almost there. Thank you for joining us on our online campus. We're so glad that you've uh, made time to do that and, and grateful for this tool. We hear so often people from literally around the country uh, how, how just thankful and grateful they are for this tool of our uh, Valley Online campus. So thank you for joining us uh, today. want to start out by asking a question, uh, and if you're watching this on our online campus, the chat, if it's open, uh, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Your favorite Christmas movie, go ahead and, and just, just write that in the, in the chat there. Uh, I, I've got a number of, of favorite Christmas movies, Elf, I love Elf, of course, I love the preacher's wife because uh, I love my wife and she's the preacher's wife. And, and uh, also like White Christmas, that's one of our family favorites that we actually wait till all our girls get back home for Christmas and then we watch that together. But this year I watched for the first time and I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to admit this. Uh, I, I actually saw for the first time in my life, It's a Wonderful Life. And I've never seen it before. I've avoided it because I kind of knew a little bit about it. And I was like, oh, this old sappy, black and white. I'm not interested. And uh, Susie just started really kind of putting the pressure on me. Uh, she really did. And uh, she's like, you know, I, I really think you should watch this. So we found a colorized version. It was a compromise. And uh, watched It's a Wonderful Life. And it's kind of funny as we're watching that. Uh, it's a classic, you know, just a kind of a feel-good, sentimental classic, uh, new to me. Um, she looks over at me at one point, and she says, baby, are you okay? Because I have this, like, I don't know what kind of look on my face. We're about halfway into the movie. And uh, Jimmy Stewart, you, you know, and, uh, and I realized I'm George Bailey. Uh, I, I was the guy that, that when I was in college, I said, I'm never returning to New York, never going to New York. Uh, and, and my plan was do a little quick stint as an associate pastor here uh, at, at Valley Christian Church, where it is now. And, uh, and then after three years under my belt, I'm heading south. And then leadership asked me to be the senior pastor. And I thought, okay, I'll do a little three-year note there, and then I'm heading south. And... Uh, Lo and behold, 30 years have gone by. And, and I could just relate so much to George Bailey, who had all these plans of getting out of the small town, you know, doing all this. And, uh, and, and the whole crux of the movie, you know, is just a change in perspective. And, and I will just say this, Valley family, I have zero regrets after 30 years of being here. And God has planted Susie and I here. If I'm George Bailey, she's Mary. There's no question about it. And, uh, and this is where God has planted us, and, and we're not going anywhere. And we're going to finish here. Uh, we're not finishing any place. We're going to finish right here. And, uh, and, and we really we want to give our lives to changing a community. And so we, we've got a lot more to go. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be a real old guy uh, when it's time to... To, to step out, and so uh, it, it was just kind of hitting me, all this George Bailey, what his heart was, what were his dreams or his plans were, and, and yet you see where in this fictional story, uh, Bedford Falls, that, uh, um, you, you know, 
God had a different plan, and he impacted a lot of people's lives. So uh, just, just call me George Bailey, I, I, I guess, there. So maybe, maybe that's becoming one of my favorites. I, I don't know. But, um, you know, I want to talk today, as we're in this last message, really, in our series, Advent series, and then, of course, our Christmas services, we're calling that uh, uh, waiting here for you. I hope you'll make plans, make reservations. We're, we're expecting, you know, capacity at all five of our services. Go ahead and make reservations. We're going to have a giveaway, a free giveaway of an iPad every single service. So uh, go ahead and do that right now while there's still some space available. Uh, and I have a special message to share in our Christmas services starting on the 23rd, 24th. There are five identical services, Valley Kids Ministry and all of them. Uh, so make plans there to attend. Uh, but I want to look at kind of a different uh, account of the birth story of Jesus Christ. You know, normally we like to go to Luke and it's just like warm fuzzies. Everything's just wonderful and all. But I want to look at Matthew, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, because Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus, uh, we, we get the joy of the birth, uh, but at the same time, we also get some hardships surrounding the miracle of the birth. And, and, and I want to just call this message today, Holding On to Hope. I think that's going to become more obvious, the title for that. So you can go ahead and open up valleyny.cc. You know, if you're on your, your mobile phone, just swipe to the right. You'll find sermon notes section. Click on that. It'll take you right over there. And, uh, and just follow along. You can, you can actually email those notes to yourself. Uh, you'll have them forever because there, there are times in our lives, just like George Bailey, <laughs> and it's wonderful, he lost hope. Uh, there's times when hope is going to become real scarce in my life and your life because times are tough. And, and so we need to know how to hold on to hope. And, and let me say this about Christmas. I think it's so important why I want to look at Matthew chapter 2 is uh, the very first Christmas was, was far from picture perfect. Uh, so don't be surprised if your Christmas isn't either. I, I mean, that's what I love about Matthew and his Gospels. There's a lot of adversity going on all around the birth of Jesus Christ. So I want to take the time to kind of read that. I'll comment just a little bit, but from Matthew chapter 2, and, and then we just unpack it during our time together today uh, as we look at this whole idea of holding on to hope. So Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it, was, when it rose and have come to worship him. And, and so these are three kings from, from distant lands. They see this star in the sky. They recognize this as some sort of sign that, that a king, a nobility has been born. And, and they venture out uh, and they're following this star. Now, pretty cool. I don't know if you heard about this, but this Monday on December the 21st, actually what they're calling the Christmas star is going to be appearing in the sky. I don't know about you, but, but it's worth it to me to go out in the freezing cold just to see this. Uh, it's actually going, what is making the Christmas star is Jupiter and Saturn, those planets, two of the biggest planets, are aligning with one another and making kind of a superstar. It's the shortest day of the year also, uh, and, and it's, uh, it's something that hasn't happened in 800 years. Since the days of Genghis Khan, uh, the, the superstar where Jupiter and Saturn aligned to make this huge bright mass, or they call it Christmas star, in the sky. And, and chances are that might have been what this was, just, just even all the way back in the time of Jesus. 
I don't know, but, but interesting to think about. So I'm going to have my heavy jacket on, and hopefully there's a clear night sky uh, on the 21st there. And so they saw his star, and, and their whole intention, they're seeking the king, and they want to worship him. That's, that's their goal. And so it goes on in verse 3. It says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. So they went to the palace. They thought a king's born. They go to the king's palace, King Herod at the time. And he's like, ain't no king been born here. No baby been born here. Uh, so he's very disturbed by this. And all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophets have written. But you, Bethlehem, so they're quoting this now, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of uh, Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Now, this is interesting, this statement, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, this is a quote, actually, from the Old Testament, from Old Testament prophet Micah. So, Micah chapter 5, verse 2 and 4, said, Bethlehem is the place where the Messiah is going to be born. And, of course, we know that the way that Mary and Joseph got to Bethlehem, the reason was because of a census being taken. They had to go and they had to pay taxes. So, so God's using, could I put it this way, government making some decisions that are actually just perfectly aligning Mary and Joseph with where they need to be. And they didn't necessarily even recognize God's hand in that at the time. Pretty powerful, some, some cool stuff happening here. Uh, so this is a quote from Micah chapter 5, verse 2 and 4. And then go on in verse 7. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report back to me. Uh, he's got an agenda here, and it's an evil agenda. So that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now the star is moving and literally guiding them. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming, uh, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. They were seeking him, and now they see him. And they worship him. And then they opened their treasures and presented with him, and you probably know this, we could all say it together, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's frankincense, not Frankenstein, like my little daughters used to say when they were little. No Frankenstein there. Gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. By another route. And, and let me just put it this way. When you worship Jesus, you don't leave the same way as you came. Let me just say that again. When, when they were seeking a king, and they found King Jesus, the Messiah. And, and when, when you and I worship Jesus, we never leave the same way. Something so powerful is when we worship Jesus. And just like those wise men, they worship Jesus they gave him their gifts, and they left a different way. They, they left a different way. We leave changed when we come into the presence of Jesus. There, there's so much that could just preach uh, in all this. But, but let's go on in verse 13. 
And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child uh, and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And, and this is actually, uh, uh, it goes on in verse 14, rather. And it says, so he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophets, out of Egypt I called my son. Now this is again a prophetic word in Hosea chapter 11 verse 1 and it says that, that God would call the Messiah out of Egypt. And it didn't, mean, it didn't say he was going to be Egyptian, but, but God knew he would have to flee to Egypt for a time for his own personal safety of the Son of God, of Jesus, and then God would call him back to Israel out of Egypt. So we find these prophetic words being fulfilled all over the place. And Mary and Joseph, can you imagine? I, I mean, all this stuff is happening so fast. We know the background, you know, she's a teenage girl and, and, uh, and says, God, I'm going to have God's baby. And Joseph's like, yeah, right. Uh, and then an angel appears to him, you know, and, and, uh, and he takes Mary and he cares for her and has this miraculous birth, uh, all this, wise men, all this. Now get out, run for your life. And, and they are fleeing, literally, in the middle of the night with Jesus. Mary and Joseph were walking through a really, really dark night and a really, really difficult time in their life. But they were carrying hope in their arms. See, hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. They're literally carrying hope. They're holding on to hope, Jesus, while they flee to Egypt. And so I, I just think this is so important. We need to know, you know, how to hold on to hope. How to hold on to Jesus. At, at times when we don't have the answers. When it doesn't make sense. When our hearts are breaking. When, when there's a curveball. When we get you know, the news and it's just like a punch in the gut. How do we hold on to hope? There's, there's five things I think we can learn from this story that are so important. And, and, and I just want to share them with you right now, real practical Christmas message during our time together. Holding on to hope. Here's the first thing we need to understand. Jesus is here for the whole journey. Jesus is here for the whole journey. Your whole journey, my whole journey. No matter what you've been going through, you have not been abandoned by God. God's hand is on your life. And, and uh, let me just ask you this question. Are you looking for his hand or are you staring at your problems? Are, are you looking for his hand on your life or are you staring at the problem? God's hand was still on Mary, still on Joseph, even while they were on the run for their lives. They were in perfect step with God's plan. See, something inside of us says it's supposed to be easy, supposed to be all just, just, just blessing all the time, no difficulty, anything. There's only one problem with that mindset when it comes to faith in God. The Bible. That, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what Jesus' experience was on this planet. And, and so really, really important. They were literally holding on to hope, holding on to Jesus. And the amazing thing is this. Jesus was holding on to them. 
He was with them for the whole journey. I I love Psalm 139. Uh, King David wrote, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Before I even say it, you already know what I'm going to say. You hem me in, behind, and before, and I love this, and you lay your hand upon me. Hand of of blessing, hand of protection, presence. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. God provided for them for the journey. He knew what was going to happen. That's what the wise men brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And it was because of those three valuable commodities, that's what uh, bankrolled their trip to Egypt. Those gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That, that's how they had the provision to go to Egypt and to stay there. God knew. So many times in our difficulties, our trials, even our temptations, we, we, we think, oh man, God's left us. God's forgotten us. Maybe instead we need kind of a different perspective like George Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life. Maybe God's provided a way of escape for every temptation. Maybe God's provided for me For you, the support system, the relationships around us that we can walk through this. Maybe God's drawing us closer because God's hand is on us. Jesus is there for the whole journey. And his hand was upon them and it's upon you too. Here's the second thing. Jesus is here for you to draw near. Jesus is here for you and for me to draw near. I love how Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 in the Bible says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest, speaking of Jesus, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly, hold tight, how to hold on to hope, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. Now, there's a big difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is I feel bad or I feel you know, grief or whatever for someone else. Empathy is I've experienced the exact same thing and I know what you're going through. Jesus doesn't give you and, he, you and I sympathy. He gives you and I empathy. I know. I've felt that. I've experienced that before. What a great high priest we have who empathizes with our weaknesses. And he goes on and says, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus is here for you and I to draw near to because he knows, he understands. He, he knows what it's like to lose a parent. He knows what it's like to lose a friend. He, he, he knows what it's like to, uh, to, to see people around him making tragic mistakes and, 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 and sin. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He, he knows what you and I are going through. He's felt it. He's experienced it. It's empathy. 
Jesus is here for you to draw near to. Here's the third one. Jesus is here for his glory and for our good. For his glory and for our good. Let's look at it again. Matthew chapter 2, verse 15. We read it just a moment ago. It says, where he stayed, speaking of Egypt, until the death of Herod, and so, uh, and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I'll call my son. You know, I just point this out again. This is a, a prophetic word from Hosea 700 years before the coming of Jesus. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, God says through the prophet Isaiah, I got a plan. I've got a plan, and, and, and I'm going to call my son out of Egypt. I didn't say he's going to be born there. I didn't say he's going to be Egyptian. But I'm going to call him. For, God knew before Herod even had the thought, before the wise men even got there and told him about the birth of a king, God knew what was going to happen in, in his omniscience. He knows everything. He sees all of time from beginning to end vividly in one minute. One moment, all of it together. And so he's working out a plan for his glory and ultimately for my good. The, the trip to Egypt wasn't a detour for Jesus. It was all part of God's bigger plan. And I think sometimes, you know, while we're waiting on an answer to prayer, while we're waiting for God to move, while we're waiting for God to do something, I, I think it's important that, that we just understand Maybe he's doing something much, much bigger than we can even comprehend. I'm not telling you that everything's always going to make sense and be easy. No, no easy answers. When it all unfolds, I, I think God's telling us while, while we're waiting. We've talked a lot about that in this series. He, he says, when it all unfolds, you're going to see my power more clearly. You're going to see my wisdom on display my knowledge and my strength have been working all the time while you've been waiting, and I'm going to get all the glory. And, and when you see my plan unfold in your life, I'm going to receive the glory, and you're going to realize it's for your good all along. For God's glory, and for my good, and your good. And we're going to be able to say, God, you are so good. You've worked this out. Even when there are times I struggled for your glory and for my good. So much here in this story. So much. How about the fourth point? Jesus is here for everyone. Jesus is here for, for everyone. Uh, wise men are a part of the story. You know, think about these wise men, these, these, these kings, whatever, uh, from afar. Uh, we don't know their past. We don't know their family history. Uh, we don't know what they even believed about God, but they're part of the story. He, it's Mary and Joseph up close and personal. It's, it's the shepherds out in the fields of Bethlehem. And then it's these three kings. And the only reason, by the way, we know they're three kings because of the three gifts. doesn't say there were three. It just says gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There could have been, I don't know how many. But, but we, scholars believe because of the three different gifts that there were probably three different wise men. Doesn't say that in the Bible. And, and so uh, we don't know anything about their background, but God was reaching out not just to those up close, but those far away as well. Not just Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, 
but also to those in distant, distant lands. Don't count yourself out. Don't count yourself out. Don't, don't count anybody out. Could I put it that way? Jesus came for those who were near and also for those who were far. And, and I love how Jeremiah 29 verse 13 puts it, and it just reminds me of the wise men. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I, I mean, this, this could have been months of journey. This could have been more, more than a year. Uh, notice that it doesn't say they found the baby. You notice that? It says they found the child. <laughs> uh, some scholars believe Jesus could have been a year, maybe even two years old by the time the wise men got there. Although, you know, in our nativity scene, we like to put the wise men in there. Uh, that's really not necessarily the, the whole biblical narrative there. And so they said, it says very literally, they found the child. And God was working. If you seek me, you'll find me when you seek me with a heart. They were seeking. They were seekers who became worshipers when they found Jesus. That's the story of Christmas. Jesus turned seekers into worshipers just like the wise men. And then, then here's the, the fifth point that, that I think we can really learn in terms of holding on to hope. Jesus is here for the whole journey. Jesus is here for you to draw near. Jesus is here for his glory and our good. Jesus is here for everyone. And then the fifth one, Jesus is here forever. Jesus is here forever. I, I, I love how in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, in, in almost one of the last verses in the whole entire Bible, Revelation twenty two sixteen, Jesus is speaking, and it says, I, Jesus, have set my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Isn't that cool? A star announces his birth. And he's like, well, that's just the little, that's just the announcement. He's like, I am the star. I'm the star. I'm the bright and morning star. And, and I love the fact that he doesn't, here in Revelation, this is the resurrected Jesus speaking. He's conquered death and the grave. And, and he doesn't say, I am a star. He doesn't say, I'm the star. He's even more specific than that. He says, I'm the bright and I am the morning star. The morning star. There's a star in your story. There's a star in my story. But I'm not the star of the story. Jesus is the star of my story. Jesus wants to be the star of your story too. And the wise man came to give their gift to the gift. He's the morning star. What does that mean? It's always darkest right before sunrise. He's the morning star. And right now you may be walking through something really dark. You may be walking through something really, really difficult. And Jesus wants to be the star in your story. The star of your story.
He's the gift. The wise men came and they gave their gifts to the greatest gift there's ever been given. As God gave his son, our savior, a gift for you and for me. That's why he came. That's why he lived a sinless life. That's why he laid his life down on the cross as a sacrifice and a substitute for you and for me. Paying in full the price for my personal sins and your personal sins and rising from the dead three days later. For all who would receive him, the Bible says, speaking of Jesus, to them he gave the right to be called the children of God. When we receive Jesus Christ, the greatest gift that's ever been given. No matter how dark the night, the morning star will rise. Do you know him? Have you received the greatest gift? That's what Christmas is all about. The gift of Jesus Christ. I don't earn it. I could never deserve it, neither can you. That's why God gave his son. The gift says more about the giver than it does the recipient. That's why he came. That's why we celebrate. That's why Jesus lived. That's why he died. That's why he rose again. The sun, no matter how dark it is, will rise. And that's how we can hold on to that hope regardless of what you and I are experiencing, no matter how difficult, no matter how dark, because Jesus is hope. And he wants you and I, our hearts to be filled with hope on this Christmas day and every day after. I'm gonna ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for doing for us what we could never do for ourselves by sending your son Jesus, fully man and fully God, that he would live a sinless life and lay that life down as a sacrifice and a substitute for for me, for every single one of us that would receive him, receive that sacrifice. And God, thank you that he rose from the dead and we can be confident that the price for our personal sins has been paid for through Jesus' shed blood and his broken body. Lord, that's why we celebrate. You are so good. Father, help us to hang on to hope. Lord, help us to hang on to hope when, when life doesn't make sense. Help us to hang on to hope, Lord, realizing Jesus is here for the whole journey. That Jesus is here for us to draw near. That Jesus is here for his glory and our good that Jesus is here for everyone and that Jesus, he's here forever. Lord, we put our trust in Jesus today and we hold on to him, Lord, just like Mary and Joseph were holding on to him and they didn't even realize he was holding on to them at the same time. Thank you, Lord, for hope that we can have because of your son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We celebrate his coming this Christmas. Right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you've never prayed and received Jesus Christ, the gift of Jesus Christ 
as your Savior and Lord. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can repeat after me. The Bible says if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I just invite you right now, open your heart up to Jesus if you've never done that before. And you can just repeat this prayer after me and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord today. That's why I came. That's why I lived. That's why I died. That's why I rose again. Because he loves you that much. Just repeat this prayer after me right now. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I turn from them today. Jesus, thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. And Jesus, I ask you today, be my Lord and Savior. I receive you today. And I ask you to guide me, and to lead me, direct me by your Holy Spirit from this day forward. And I will follow you. Amen. Amen. Valley family, Merry Christmas. We love you. And we're so excited to see you at one of our five Christmas services in just a couple days. Go ahead and, and make reservations, and we'll see you real soon.